named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add, adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agency Podcast. My name is Mark Wall and I'm joined as ever by Sam Hunter. Sam, good morning. How are you, my friend? Good morning, Mark. Uh, very well, thank you. Um, it's been another consistent week. Let's go with that. As much as there's a few weird things happening in the world that are not overly positive, uh, I've tried to do everything that I can based on what I can control, and that's what I'm choosing to focus on. How about you? Yeah, good. Absolutely. We took, we've talked about um, a bit of prospecting things. Um, they've, they've been working really, really well, and I think consistency is is the key. We've got a guest today who I am really looking forward um, to, to listening to. So as, as long as it's all right with you, Sam, I'd like to dive straight in. And Should we introduce him? Yeah, let's do it. Today's guest joins us with over 20 years of brand building and marketing experience across our industry. He's driven marketing for Countrywide, Knight Frank, Keller Williams, and is now the global CEO for Finer Country. He's here to talk about brand, to talk about marketing, talk about the market itself, and how not only marketing trends are changing, but customer expectations about the state agency are changing as well. Simon Ledbetter, welcome to the World Class Agency Podcast. Hello, good to speak to you. Thanks very much for joining us, Simon. Um, really looking forward to, to getting in with a CV like that. But before we start talking brand and marketing, um, we're going to start with the question that we ask everybody, Simon, and that's what does world-class estate agency look like to you? It's a really good question. Um, and I think there's probably two answers, to be honest with you. I think there is the, con- the, con- the concept of a successful agent, someone who's really good at selling. So, you know, they're a brilliant salesperson. They can interact with their customers. They... They understand their market, but they are really good salespeople, so they convert anything. But to me, world-class is a bit more than that. Actually, real world-class is an unrelenting commitment to service. Our industry is quite transactional. Um, people focus on getting the deal and moving on. But the really good estate agents, the ones who've not lost the art of estate agency, are all about building a relationship, not just over the immediate property, but with their communities. They also see the buyer, the seller, the landlord, the tenant, all as first amongst equals, because all of them have future value and all of them can bring an enormous amount of benefit to that organisation. So I like to say, there's two types of estate agent and you can get both in one person, but you get the one who's just a brilliant salesperson who can just make a market, they get unfair market share, but they're moving from deal to deal. The other one is the one who's going, no, no, I'm part of this community, I'm part of this group, I'm committed to it and I'm interested in building a proper relationship that really understands them. I really like that. I really like how they go um, side by side. Can we just go a bit deeper on what you talked about, the unrelenting commitment to service? I love that terminology as well. Can you give some practical examples of where you've seen agents with that unrelenting commitment to service and how that actually looks um, to the client? It's that they're not interested in just closing the deal. So, for example, my parents got a place in Battersea. And there's an estate agent locally who won't be named because they work for a competitor. 
but they've literally spoken to my parents for years about their property. And whenever they've been interested in whether to rent it or to buy another one, that estate agent has always been on tap to talk to them. Now, in reality, that estate agent has not earned a penny from my parents directly because he's just been there. He's talked to them. It's the kind of property he should list if ever it comes to market. And I'm fairly confident that when it does, he will. The reality is I'm now telling you about it. They're telling their friends about the service they received from him. And because he's committed to helping people live their property dreams and understand property, he's bought an ally, an advocate, and a promoter. And that's worth its weight in gold. From a marketing perspective, you can't beat recommendation and word of mouth. And it's that I'm committed to you, whether you want to buy from me or sell through me immediately, but I know when you're ready, you will. Can I ask you, I've, I've got two questions actually from two things that you've said, um, and I'm going to say them both now because otherwise I'm going to forget. The first one, which we, I think we should start with, is um, in your answer to what world-class estate agency looks like to you, at, at the end, you said they see buyers, sellers, tenants, and landlords as equals. So the first question I've got to follow up on that is, why do so many agents not? And then I want to come back and talk about the, the language you just used then, which is actually that good agents are committed to helping people understand property because how simple is that to say to any, what do you do? I'm an estate agent. I, you will say, well, actually, no, I'm committed to helping people understand property. And that's, that, that's going to open so many more doors. So why, why do so many agents not see um, buyers and tenants as, as equal to sellers and landlords? It's the transactional mindset. I mean, one of the flaws in our industry is that we have such low fees. You, know, you go anywhere else in the world, 3%, 6% are quite normal. Because our fees have become so low, often it's no through fault of their own, estate agents are having to chase relentless numbers of deals. Mm. They're constantly about volume rather than value. And I think because of that, they just see the transaction. Now, if you step back to 35,000 feet to look at our industry, almost everyone starts as a tenant. Everyone then becomes a first-time buyer. Then they become a first-time seller. Then eventually they move along their property journey. But you know, I used to describe it as 12 years a slave is for many people, we sort of, as an industry, haven't got a great reputation in terms of how we treat tenants. And you know, I remember I had a place in Notting Hill. I happened to be moving to Lincoln uh, to rent a place while I was doing some family, some family affairs out. And when I arrived, the estate agent said to me, well, what are you looking for? I said, I'm looking to rent a property in, in, in Lincoln. And the guy went, oh, you need to go around the back. We don't deal with lettings for this part of the shop. <laughs> and like, literally, there's not a property in Lincoln I couldn't buy. And really, that's how you're going to treat me because you don't know who I am and you don't know what my potential for as a customer. And that's not, do you know who I am? It's just wherever I am on my journey, whoever I will become, don't treat me like a second-class citizen because at some point, I'm going to come back into the industry and potentially be a buyer you know as an industry you know we look at the stats from people like YouGov. the very best estate agents the very best of which you know, my brand is i think number four in terms of how brand health uh, in the uk um the very best is so far below the best in other industries it's quite disappointing you know we've got to get better at understanding the lifetime journey of a customer that a tenant becomes a buyer then becomes a seller. And also tenants have parents, they have friends. And in, I remember in my previous company, um, had a really high net worth client who came to see us. He was so angry. You know, he was worth millions to us because his child had tried to rent 
and been so badly treated by the same brand that treated him like a god, it was like, how can you be that schizophrenic? Mm. That just because they're a tenant, you would treat them so much more badly than you would treat me. And I think we need to just join up the lifetime journey of a customer and say, we're with you for life, not just for the transaction. It comes back to that old thing that, you know, our mums always taught us when we were kids, you've got to treat people how you want to be treated. And actually, when, when you when you call into a service anywhere, it doesn't matter what that service is, even if you're going through the drive through of a McDonald's or something like that, do you want to be spoken to by just like, McDonald's? Or do you want to say, you know, good morning, welcome McDonald's, you know, please place your order. So service is everywhere. And it is it is that old mum saying you've got to treat people as you would like to be treated and that's probably step one in seeing them all as equal as well um i, I want to come back to the other point that you, you made there about the, the really great the world-class agents are committed to helping people understand property and you might have answered that a little bit already talking about their journey but what what do you sort of mean by that well again it's about what you need is time really in this industry and i think we've created an industry that focuses on a lack of time and with time, you know, we need to be curious. We need to understand our market. We need to, we need to talk to more people and more thought leaders and people outside our industry to understand how things work, but also really get into how the property marketing is, market is developing. I think we're quite good at knowing our bit, but we form quite strong opinions about our bit. And in reality, our bit can be a small percentage of the entire market. And I think, you know, there's so much information out there with the great trade publications that we have. There's lots of great speakers and thinkers in this industry. But also, I'd also say to look outside the industry of other people who talk about how markets work and businesses work. Mm. And by being more curious, um, you're better at informing people how the property market works. Um, but I think probably many estate agents could do it. They just don't have the time. And I really feel for those people who are going from deal to deal and the moment they've got an instruction, they move on to the next. You know, they're not looking at, okay, let me understand more about you and what you're really trying to achieve. Because every seller, what are they? They're also a buyer, probably. Mm -hmm. And every buyer is probably also a seller. So understanding this two-dimensional aspect of a customer is really important. And let's face it, in my time, I have been a buyer, seller, landlord, and tenant at exactly the same time. So as my colleague Nikki describes it, the four-dimensional customer, is you can be all those things. But by understanding that and all nature of the, of the market, you can give a proper service. Absolutely. Um, thank you. And, and, and well articulated as well. How, how then does brand, so looking back at your uh, career, I think we'd be a bit silly to not talk to you about brand and marketing. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, and actually, it's something that a lot of even even world class agents who understand that they're a brilliant salesperson, they can interact with people, they have a focus on their community, they might feel potentially a little bit out of their depth when it comes to brand that comes to marketing rather than prospecting. So can you walk us through, like, can you be a world class agent without a world class brand? Challenge. Um, yeah, there are multiple types of marketing, but let's limit it to two types of marketing. Um, it's quite an important distinction that people often miss. Marketing is not just marketing. Um, so the two types of marketing I like to talk to people about when I'm teaching them about marketing is there's brand marketing and there's response marketing. Our industry is obsessed with response marketing. I do something and my phone rings. 
I do something and I get an email. Mm. It's literally transactionally result oriented. So it's very much like direct marketing. I do this, I get a response. Now that can be video, it can be direct mail, it can be email, it can be advertising. They want a response immediately. The other side of marketing is brand marketing. Brand is the thing that creates a shortcut that when people are thinking, who do I choose? You're in the top three automatically without you having to do anything. So brand marketing is that long-term build that really grows um, your mind share over time. Response marketing is the thing that gets a response. Now, there's a huge report called the long and short of it, the IPA did a while ago, that really studied huge amounts of marketing of what really worked. And what they said is the ratio you want between your brand marketing, which builds over time, and your response marketing that drives the results tomorrow, is about 60% brand and 40% response. Now, the reality is, because our industry is dominated by getting trade done, <laughs> we focus a lot on response. And what you need really is people within your organization to understand the long-term brand build. Now, a lot of the most successful brands have been around for a very long time. You know, they've been around for hundreds of years, their brand is established, and people are essentially standing on the shoulders of giants of people who've built that brand over years. They then don't necessarily understand the value of brand marketing, but they have a brand already. Take, for example, a, an, an insurgent, which was in 2010, I think it was Purple Bricks. You know, they spent hundreds of millions of pounds on marketing. I think at one point was spending 135% of their turnover, so of their income, of their income on marketing, which is loss making, as we know, but they built a brand. Mm. They reached a massive brand awareness and at one point challenged even the most established brands to be a real disruptive one. Now, we know what's happened to them since, but in reality, that demonstrated that you can buy brand awareness and market share to really investing in your brand. So the smart brands get it. They protect their brand. Sometimes they don't invest enough in their brand, but they're very protective of their brand. Um, that said, I talk about big brands. If you're a local estate agent, you probably have a fantastic brand as well because you're known in your community. You're often the dominant player of the local independent. Um, but that shows the real importance of having an established brand. But when you talk to estate agent owners about brand marketing, they go, well, I want the phone to ring tomorrow. It's like, yeah, but if you invest a bit more in your brand and brand awareness, over time, your response marketing will work much harder. So that's the two types of marketing you've got to get into people's heads a lot of the time. And as an industry, I'm not sure we're comfortable with the concept of brand marketing. We like the response stuff. So how hard is it to build a successful business if you focus solely on the response marketing then, Sam, in your opinion? Um, I think you can do it. You can um, direct market the country to death if you want to. You know, you can literally paper bomb the UK, fill up people's emails and completely dominate their social media channels. Um, it's one way of doing it. All of those things work harder if you've got a good brand behind you. You know, you're a thought leader. You know, you talk more about just the, the sell. You're actually talking about what your business is authentically about. And you talk, you add value to the market. You give back to the market information about it, about your brand, 
And also, most decisions we make as human beings are emotional. We like to think we're homo economicus, economicus, homo economics, basically. We're a rational thinking being who will only make rational decisions, especially in business. Every decision we make as human beings is emotional. And unless you can connect with the emotion, you're not going to deliver the effect that you can. Now, that can be that emotion of feeling safe. It's quite a, a rational kind of, I feel safe in your hands by doing this. It's quite a, a rational feeling, but it's still an emotional feeling of safety. It's the classic of we we're motivated by fear and greed, both quite strong emotions. Um, so if you can connect with an emotion and put money into that, all the response stuff you need to do will be more effective. Now, you can do it without it, but it will just mean much more firepower in terms of your response marketing. Can you give us some examples then? So you talk about connecting to the emotion. So that, if we go in kind of deeper on the brand side of things, Simon, is that in in your opinion where where people should focus? So if people are listening to this show and they've not done any sort of brand marketing, it's all mainly response. A good place to start would be to look at the emotions involved in selling. So say you're downsizing, you, you, you do a specific target where you're trying to educate people on the emotions involved in downsizing. Would that be a good place to start if people haven't done that sort of marketing before? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, again, I'll talk about the word curiosity. We're a famously incurious industry. Um, you know, I've run several marketing departments and I've said, so who's the target audience? And they go, well, I know. And you're like, um, so how do you know how to market this people if you don't know who the, well, you know, most marketing is targeted to 30 something people in London because most marketers are 30 something people in London, um, <laughs> rather than trying to be targeted actually the audience. You know, when I was in financial services, I said, if there's one more picture of a grinning geriatric running down a beach with a Labrador, I'll shoot you. Um, <laughs> that's not how we should be marketing financial services anymore. Um, I think the first part is to start by understanding your customer. So. So go to events, hold events, talk to people, listen to the language that people use. Again, I'll use another parallel of financial services. Um, I remember we were doing a conference on I I ISAs, individual savings accounts. And it was like, oh, you don't need to people. Everyone knows what an ISA was. And there's this very loud gentleman, very successful gentleman, arguing that he knew all about ISAs, cornered me in a coffee break. He said, look, you keep talking about ISAs. The thing is, I've already got one. Why do you keep talking about them? No, what do you mean you've got one? He said, well, I got one when they first came out. Why would I need another one? And I went, it's sort of an annual allowance, so you can get one every single year. Now, that person was very successful, very rich, but hadn't quite understood this thing. I think there's a large amount of people don't admit they don't know the difference between exchange and completion. They're a bit confused by stamp duty. And because often people we're dealing with are quite successful, they don't want to admit they don't know these things. So our job is to really step back from industry of something we do every single day, multiple times. And for something that people do every seven to 13 years, or in the UK every 23 years, they're not going to develop the habit in it. So we need to really educate them and understand how we can explain industry. Now that understanding of the language that people use and explaining to our, in our industry in a way that they use is going to really change the way you can do your brand marketing um, and show that you understand that this is a often it's it, it will be the biggest transaction they do mm. and around that's a certain amount of fear but again i did a 
a survey when I was at, a, well, it was a long ongoing survey at a previous company. We tracked how people felt along the, the journey from instruction. And it was really interesting because for the first two weeks after instruction, they were really happy. And after six weeks, across every brand, every house value, they plummeted massively to a negative view about, about the whole thing. Hmm. Why? Because just as they needed the estate agent most because the house hadn't sold, the estate agent had moved on to the next transaction. And that's where we would add value. I used to call it the chasm of silence and despair, which is the moment between instruction and exchange was the bit when you needed the estate agent and that's when they abandoned you. Um, now, that's about building our brand is delivering excellent service after the instruction. Because if we do that, we tell the whole industry about it and everyone who's interested in working with us will start building the brand because it's not about instantly getting a transaction, it's helping someone over the line who's already in the pipeline. One of the things I want to follow up on there is actually um, a question that popped into my head uh, just as we started this, which was actually, so it's first uh, of March that we're recording this. So we are, this is now end of, well, coming to the end of Q1, you know, hopefully the majority of people listening to this show now, or whenever you're listening to the future are well into your year and you've implemented and you're chasing some of those goals that have happened so far. If you're at a position where you've listened to this and you're like, I really need to do 60% brand and 40% response because that's really interesting. And the more I build my brand, the more I'm going to get out of my response marketing because more people recognize me. If I wanted to start with a, a, a brand campaign, uh, call it for the next nine months, let's say, I'm going to commit to something. I've got the budget for it. I'm going to work there. It sounds like to me a great place to start is by writing down everything that you take for granted in your business. All the stuff that you can do like the back of your hand because that's all the nuance that no one else knows about. And you could actually build ongoing, scalable campaigns where if someone doesn't see step three until they've watched your 60-second video on step one and step two, and that is all, as you're talking about, sort of brand campaign, I'm hoping anyway, I've completely uh, missed the boat of what you were saying. So on top of things like that, what are maybe one or two other really simple, actionable pieces of advice that people who are listening to this can, can pause this podcast now, go and grab pen and paper, come back and push play and write down and do from today that's going to improve their business through this sort of brand and, and response marketing over the next nine months? So for me, I would start with a, an equation I learned a long time ago, which is every company is a marketing company now. Every company is a media company now. And it's all about content. As a, as a world, we are drowning in content, but a lot of it's not very good. And in reality, what you need to do is create good quality. Now, what you're saying about there, writing down everything you take for granted is a really nice place to start. So I've advised a lot of people over the years how to create content. You know, I, don't, I start with a blank sheet of paper. I have no idea what to do. So what I'd often say is write down the 12 questions that you would expect to be asked as to the state agent. Then write 12 answers then reinterpret those answers and make them into maybe two answers per question. Mm. That gives you 24 pieces of content. Now, 24 pieces of content is half a year's worth of content if you do once a week. But it, once you've got those 12 questions, there might be 12 problems that most people find. You break it down into very simple lists of key things that you know cause your client's problems. Because you know these, because you encounter them every single day. Mm. Write the answer. And if you're not comfortable doing a podcast, not comfortable doing a video, write an article. Doesn't need to be more than 300 words. 
and it can be very simple. And the art is not to blow people away or confuse people. The point of communication is to be understood. So industry peers might go, why are you patronizing me? But you're not writing for their benefit. You're writing for the benefit for the people who are too afraid to ask. Can I, can I jump in and interject very rudely? Do you think that's why so many agents don't do this because they're worried about the opinion of their peers rather than the opinion of their market? We're very inward looking as an industry. Yeah. We literally are listening to each other in a, some sort of great echo chamber rather than caring what the rest of the world thinks of our industry. Um, and in reality, we need to turn out of our industry, look at our competitor markets, you know, I operate at the high end of property. My competitor is not other high end estate agents. It's other high end brands. Mm. You know, the person who comes into one of our branches is also going into a very high car outlet, is going to a very nice hotel. They're getting used to a level of service that we should be delivering. So that's about looking out of our industry. But, you know, go beyond that. We should be looking at our customers and what they really are looking for from us. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're quite inward looking. You know, we celebrate our heroes and our geniuses in the industry. And I think there's some amazing people in our industry, but I think we could do better to listen to the market and how our industry is perceived and worry less about what our peers think. That's a really oh, interesting point. Trick. Yeah, go one on. Final trick. So I got into financial services a long time ago and one job I wanted was to run one of the biggest pension businesses because I was told very early on that the person who turned pension sexy would be the most successful marketer in financial services. So I went to work for the largest pensions provider in the UK. And what we did was go, no one understands pensions. So you say, what do you get when you retire? And they go, I get my pension. And you go, no, you have an annuity. You invest in your pension before you retire. Your pension is your savings vehicle. Yes, you get a state pension, but that's something entirely different. People didn't understand pensions. So we basically put a question out to all of our customers and said, what are the questions you'd like to ask about pensions? We got hundreds of questions. We filtered them down to 10. We did a small little uh, TV show with a presenter and a couple of experts. And I think by the time I left, I think 150,000 people had watched it. This was a 15-minute program about the most boring subject in the world, pensions. Now... We work in property. That's a lot more interesting. So, you know, going out to your audience, your customer base in an email saying, look, well, you know you do property every seven to 13 years, but we'd like to host a show where we can just answer all your questions. Why don't you send all the questions that you've ever wanted to ask of us and we'll answer them. Um, what a great way of building your brand is, you know, we don't care about just getting a transaction from you now. It's about helping you understand the market better. Plus we'll give you some facts about the market, where it's going. Um, on what it's doing so content is king and is a great way to build your brand simon i cannot think of a better point uh to leave that on because uh this has been uh, now nearly half an hour where it's almost been breathless um and i did say to mark before that this was going to be a good episode and i think we've lived up to that hype so uh, on behalf of both mark and i and everybody who's listening to this who hopefully did pause it and go back and get a pen and paper and write down those tips about that it is relevant content and content is king and you need to just ask yourself those 12 questions that you get asked all the time because that is the place that you can start to build that brand so that everything flows from there and you can be that 
world-class salesman, but a world-class relationship expert and marketer as well. Uh, yeah, phenomenal. Thank you so much for giving up your time so early in the morning as well. Absolute pleasure. I look forward to speaking to you and soon. Take care. A massive thank you to Sam and Ledbetter from Fine and Country for joining us today. Um, loads of powerful, really actionable content in today's um, podcast, Sam. And actually, we were just we actually just started talking after Simon left us. We started talking off air, um, and we said, "Well, hold on, let's let's pause this. Let's start this conversation on air because we just felt that we were." I just said, "Oh, there's so much value there." And actually, we do this, this, this in our business. And you started saying, "We do this, this, this in our business." And actually, I thought we might as well just start start talking about that. And the way that I I said it is, it's so easy to do because it's all up here in our heads. All of mm. that brand marketing and that um, knowledge that he talked about sharing is all up here in in our heads. And actually, it's really easy to do, but maybe it's the discipline of doing it. And then we talked about how you use it as well. Uh, I mean. Just to fill everybody in, we, we literally said goodbye to Simon and said that was a good episode. It kind of lived up to the hype that we've been talking about beforehand because I think it was half an hour of you can you can do all that today. You know, there wasn't yeah. a, a great deal. And and we could have talked about blue sky thinking and you know strategy and everything like that, but Simon actually gave us real life world examples of mm-hmm. you can do this today and I promise you it's gonna work. And and you and I were both saying that within both of our businesses and actually probably the majority of the people that we talk to every day within the industry as well, has this incredible wealth of knowledge and value from experience and career to date, et cetera, that we're not repurposing enough. Mm. So we, we do these uh, fortnightly webinars where uh, Simon and Stuart from my team get on there and they, they give as much as they possibly can in half an hour to help whoever's watching. You know, we had a hundred people watching the other day, most of whom are not clients of ours and they got something that they would have had to have paid a couple of hundred pounds for elsewhere. We're not doing enough with that content. You know, you were saying to me before we started doing this, that every Thursday you have that exact conversation internally that Simon was talking about, about what are the key questions that our customers want to know from us. Mm. And you could actually then repurpose those answers. And, you know, it might sound to, to you guys listening now like the penny's dropped a little bit for us because it, it kind of has. Like it's actually a really simple, scalable, repeatable, proven, valuable, add another adjective here, right? It's a process that we know works and you've just got to go and do a little bit with that knowledge. Otherwise, what's the point? Because yeah. if, you, if you can put that out there, you know, online in that brand market, the other thing that we mentioned was that we, we, we sort of agreed that Brand marketing is is online at the moment anyway, certainly digital media. And the response marketing is probably, if it's not email, it's offline. That makes sense. So response marketing is one-to-one. Brand marketing is one-to-many. And I think those conversations that everyone's having about the good, the bad, and the ugly across the board, all those, Simon said, those 12 questions that you expect to be asked as an estate agent with everybody, well, that's 12 pieces of content that you could be putting out like every month for the rest of your natural born life, because it's never really going to change. Like, yes, experiences and practices might change, but how do I make an offer? That's a question that hasn't fundamentally changed in a very long time. And you can walk them through best practice so that when they go to some crap agent who just happens to have the house and they make an offer in writing and that agent's like, Oh, what do I do now? I've never (laughs) had an offer in writing. It's always been verbal. And you've got solicitors. What do you mean? Oh, wow. This so you can put amazing. them in a, 
yeah, you can put them at a really distinct advantage over someone else who hasn't had that advice from a good agent. So, yeah, that's that's the point I'm taking out of today. Yeah, and I think actually we talked about it it being fairly easy because you know it. I think one of the challenge with the brand marketing is to be consistent, but also to 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 do it without the expectation of getting something back from it. I think that's really important. So I know within our business, we expect to do some marketing and to get that response. And we um, probably struggle to commit as much to the brand marketing as maybe we should. But actually, it relates really well back to Simon's point on world-class agency. Um, And I really love the term when he said, it's more than being a successful um, salesperson and a really good Mm. salesperson, but actually it's having an unrelenting commitment to service to build a relationship. He talked about the brand being long-term that brand awareness piece is very, very long-term, but it also helps you build a relationship and to buy those allies, to buy those recommendations that, that he talked about. Because if you're regularly producing this content and then repurposing it, the repurpose bit is the smart bit. So you produce the content answering, you know, as we do five questions that people ask estate agents every week, repurpose it, put it out there. So that person that might not be thinking of moving right now, but actually is interested in property, watches that. They might want to know how the market is performing or they might want to mm. you know, pass some advice on to the, the kids that are thinking of moving in, in the next few years or something like that. That is not pushy-pushy, you know, buy from me, salesperson. It's, it's informative, using our knowledge to educate, and that helps build the relationship and also goes work well really back in, into the unrelenting commitment to service people. Yeah, I, I thought that was, you know, I love people who say, well, it's probably two things because it's, it's and not knowing the, the question that was going to be asked because uh, for his sins, he did say that he wasn't a listener of the show until now. we've got a new, yet. yep, we, we've got a new friend of the show after today's episode, I think. Um, I think it, it almost goes without saying, but at the same time, it, it has to always be said that you have to be really good at your job. So you mm-hmm. have to be able to interact with their customers and understand their market. And actually, if anyone ever says, I don't like salespeople, that is what a salesperson is. They are wonderful with clients, customers, prospects, whatever you want to call them. They understand their market and their product intimately. That is what a good salesperson is. They facilitate somebody getting what they want for whatever dirty word you want to paint it with. However, there are people who are good at deal making and there are people who are good at service and the best agents are as simon said the people who can do both exceptionally well you know yeah. i i love that he, another term he said before he talked about well after i think uh, the unrelenting customer service was that they can focus on like the art of being an estate agent which they there once was an art you know the the most exciting thing maybe exciting is the wrong word but i think the most exciting thing that's going to start happening from the summer onwards is that it's going to get a little bit more difficult to start selling houses. And those people who don't focus on that art, they're only worried about results because the results been the really easy thing for the last couple of years, are going to start feeling the pressure a little bit. And Simon mentioned about fees, you know, low fees lead to low service because they're chasing volume over value. You know, the, the biggest thing you can do to protect your business and to actually scale your business is not go out and hunt more. It's probably to focus on the relevant response marketing, some really high level brand marketing based on those questions that we've been talking about, but it's to look at your fee mm. and see just what, di- what would raising your fee by 25% do for your business? How would that allow you 
to become more world-class? Would that buy you the time that you need to invest in more brand marketing so that when you do that response marketing, you get more of a result of more of the homes and more of the clients that you want who expect to pay a bit of a higher fee because they understand your values. They understand who you are. Um, Simon says something about brand marketing being like you talking about yourself authentically. I've bastardized that. So my apologies to, to Simon for that, but that's the reality of it to be authentic. You know, you do need a little bit of time to be able to get the energy to talk about what really matters to you rather than just going from one thing to another. You know, I, I've really benefited from this time that I've had out in Australia because I have all day to think. Whereas before I'd get up at seven, I'd start work, I'd finish work at seven, I'd bath my kid, I'd, you know, have dinner with my wife, maybe watch some TV and we go to bed. There, there wasn't a lot of gap in yeah, there yeah. whatsoever for whatever reason. Whereas now my timing's a bit weird. I don't go to bed very early in the evenings and I don't wake up very early in the mornings, but I've got some time in the day where I can be really considered about what's important to me, what's important to the business. How can I impact like the lives and the businesses of our client base? And, and you need time to think about that. I need to think to myself, what are the 12 questions that I expect to get asked if someone says, what do you guys do? What's home search? How are you going to help me? You know, we need to be putting more of that stuff out so people can understand us and our values um, and our sort of authentic selves a little bit better. We actually had this conversation. This is a very uh, weird segue and then uh, you're giving me the wrap-up signal. So I promise I'll stop talking. But we, we had this conversation two Mondays ago in the business about social media because we've got some people who are pretty active on socials, uh, both personally and professionally, and everyone's wanting to do more, I guess. And that's a really good sign of, of buy-in and culture, I think, is, is people who are willing to put themselves out there online yeah. for the benefit of themselves and for the business. But what we had that was happening was everyone was like, what do you want us to say? Or they were copying and pasting things that I would put out there, which are very much like me sitting somewhere, like if it's not on the loo, it's in the car while I'm being driven somewhere or anything. I haven't driven in a while. It's a weird experience. Uh, and I'm just typing the thoughts out as I go and I push send because that's, that's how I am online and offline, I guess. But it's a bit weird when that gets copied and pasted by somebody else who those words don't mean the same thing too. So we had this conversation internally about keep the activity up, but make sure it's you doing the talking not me because otherwise it, it doesn't just make that post almost redundant it makes my stuff and the business's stuff almost redundant as well so we can all have a business voice but we've all got to find our authentic voice as well because that's our own personal brand marketing as well as it is is brand marketing and then you get your response stuff which is more company-led i think so yeah good episode today yeah, absolutely. I've, I've, just before we go, uh, there's two two final little points that I want to say because I love, there's so many little quotes that Simon made that I wrote down um, and I just want to share two that I really liked um, before we go. The first one is every company is a marketing and a media company. And I think mm -hmm. you, know, you only have to look to Australia to some of the really successful agents over there, how much they're putting into media now. And I love the six-week chasm of silence and despair um, and I think you can use that from the, the other side as well. I've not heard that before. I really, really like it. So, yeah, you know, two things you're not going to forget. 
yeah, loads and loads of value from Simon there. It was, you know, half an hour of um, loads of notes I've got. Really enjoyed um, him joining us today. As you know, we do this because we love our industry. We want to see it get better. So if you have um, enjoyed today, please share it with uh, friends and colleagues. Share it out on social media. Reach out to Simon and thank him for, thank him for his time. Um, I'm Mark Worrell. He's Sam Hunter. Thank you very much. And we'll see you again next week. <laughs>